Hi, if I haven't met you before, my name's Matt Telfer. I'm one of the student ministers here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. And it's my pleasure to be with you this morning as we look together at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. How about I pray before we begin? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we have this morning to look closely at your word. I do pray that by your spirit, you please give us hearts to hear and to hear and understand your word rightly today. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know of a pastor who's highly intelligent. He's well-educated and has multiple degrees in philosophy and theology. He's good-looking, charming, and a great communicator. He's a natural listener, someone who gets people's attention. He's also well-respected among his church, seen as someone who has a pulse on things that really matter. He often encourages Christians in his church to stand on things like climate change and looking after the oppressed. Often he he wows his congregation with deep philosophical arguments and makes the passage feel fresh, often introducing new concepts and ideas. What do you reckon? Is this someone you want to listen to? Is this someone you trust? Well, this morning we're going to look together at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where we'll explore what characteristics matter in a teacher of God's word. So if you haven't already got your Bible out in front of you, can I encourage you to get one out now and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, You can find that on page 1801 of the Church Bibles. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, Paul's been preparing for another visit to Corinth. There's a few things that Paul wants to address before he arrives. You see, while Paul's been away, there's been a group of false teachers who we'll find out next week are called the super apostles. There's been this group of false teachers who've come into Corinth and they're saying to the Corinthians that Paul shouldn't be trusted. They've been, they've been saying, this guy Paul, ah, don't worry about him. He's nothing to worry about. Remember when he's here? He's nothing. He's not impressive at all. He's just an average bloke. And the fact is, in Corinthian culture... Uh, those who would project themselves with, with vigour and, and force, like these false teachers, well, they were the ones who were embraced. They were the ones who were trusted. And so it's against this backdrop that Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 10, telling them who he is. And he, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, don't listen to these false teachers. Don't listen to these false teachers. Because when he comes back, Paul says, he doesn't want to have to rebuke the Corinthians like he plans to do with these false teachers who incorrectly think that Paul lives by the world standards. And Paul says they couldn't be more incorrect. And here Paul reminds the Corinthians through a series of military metaphors that his battle, his war, is for the eternal destiny of the Corinthians. He's not worried about living up to worldly standards He's worried about their eternal life. He's worried about things that will keep them out of heaven. And Paul says that as he goes into battle, well, he doesn't do battle using a physical weapon or anything like that. No, no, no. His weapons are spiritual. The significance of these weapons that Paul uses, he says, is that they're more powerful than worldly weapons. Worldly weapons, they pale in comparison. And the spiritual weapons that Paul fights with, that is, God's word overcome every obstacle. They overcome every obstacle and bring people to Christ. So Paul is saying here to the Corinthians in these first verses, shape up, listen, I'm coming. He wants to give them a chance to repent before he arrives. 
Have a read with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 1 to 6. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 6. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as a world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So Paul is saying to the Corinthians here in this first verse is he's giving them the first reason why they should trust him. Paul's saying he's a leader who you can trust because the weapons he fights with are spiritual. That is God's word. They're more powerful than the worldly weapons. Well, in the next section in verses 7 to 11, Paul gives a second reason why he can be trusted. You see, while Paul's been away, the Corinthians have started to forget who Paul is. They've started to forget who he is and started to judge him by the worldly standards. But they're not seeing him for who he really is. As someone who God has appointed to, to, to build the Corinthians up, not to tear them down. To, to, to help them, not to destroy them. What's the cause of this new judgment? Well, these false teachers. They've been accusing Paul of writing these, these big and scary letters. But saying when he's in person, he's nothing that it is in fact tame and weak. In essence, these false teachers are are discrediting Paul and and putting out to be like a bit of a phony. Well, in response, Paul says, like the Corinthians, these false teachers haven't really understood who he is. Paul is someone who God has given authority to build the Corinthians up, and God, therefore, has given him authority to follow through with what he says he'll do. Read with me from verses 7 to 11. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority that the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I'll not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say, his letters are weighty and forceful. But in person, he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we're absent, we will be in our actions when we're present. So in verses 7 to 11, Paul gives a second reason why he should be trusted. Paul says he's a leader you can trust because God has given him authority to build the Corinthian church up, not to tear them down. And now in verses 12 to 18, Paul gives a third and final reason why they should trust him. The reason the Corinthians should trust him is Paul can be trusted because he's seeking God's commendation, not human commendation. You see, these false teachers, they're seeking commendation in the wrong place. And Paul says, first of all, that they start to compare themselves with themselves. Say what? They compare themselves with themselves. Well, when you compare yourself with yourself, 
How do you know that your credentials are trustworthy and true? It's a bit like when I say that my Cantonese is excellent by comparing it to my own Guaylo or white person standards. <laughs> now, I must be pretty good if I can order a few dishes at Yum Cha and things like Lungo uh, Dan Tart and Yat Jack Siwap, which I'm reliably informed from my wife, means uh, one egg tart and, oh, sorry, two egg tarts and one roast duck. I can also tell my wife that she's holing, which is pretty. And I feel pretty good about myself when walking around Eastwood and hearing all the Chinese aunties saying that my kids are ho-ducky, which means very cute. After all, that's it's pretty impressive, isn't it? But let's be honest. I would be foolish in thinking that my Cantonese is excellent by comparing it to my own standards. I should be comparing it to a real standard, like a fluent Cantonese speaker. Likewise here, Paul is saying that these super apostles, these false teachers, they're fools in comparing themselves with themselves. In fact, Paul refuses to compare himself with them because the very standard they're using is is silly, it's, it's foolish. Paul also says that these false teachers, well, they go on boasting about work done in other areas, which presumably is the Corinthian church where Paul founded. But unlike them, Paul says... He doesn't boast about other people's work. He seeks commendation in the right place. Paul seeks commendation only from God. And Paul goes on to show the Corinthians how he seeks commendation from God, like how God used him to build up the Corinthian church to found it. And more than that, Paul says that he doesn't rest on his laurels either. He he doesn't retire and go to a beach. No, no, no. He wants to grow God's kingdom further by going into new areas and using the Corinthian church as a launching pad. And so Paul finishes by reminding the Corinthians the most important thing. The one who God approves is the one the Lord commends. It is God's standards that matter, not man-made standards. Read with me from verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We're not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did not get as far as you with the gospel of Christ." Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of the work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand, so that we can preach the gospel in regions beyond you. For we do not boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. All right, can you see what's here in this passage? Paul gives the Corinthians three reasons why they can trust him. Reason number one, Paul says he can be trusted because the weapons he fights with are spiritual. Reason number two, Paul says he's a leader you can trust because God has given him authority, authority to build the Corinthian church up. And the third and final reason is, Paul can be trusted because he's seeking commendation in the right place. He's seeking it from God, not from humans. 
So Paul is telling the Corinthians here, his big idea to the Corinthians is, who should you listen to? Listen to me, I'm God's appointed messenger. Okay, well, let's think for a few moments about what this passage means for us today. Well, as we respond to 2 Corinthians 10, I have two application points for us to think about. Application point number one is we too, we can trust Paul because his word is a spiritual weapon given to us by God. And the second application point is this, guard ourselves against false teaching. Okay, you get the two points? Point number one, we can trust Paul. Point number two, guard ourselves against false teaching. All right, let's have a look at the first application point. Now, this might seem quite obvious, and for a lot of you, this seems like a bit of a null point. But the fact is, in t- today, yes, even today in Sydney, there are churches who will avoid teaching from Paul's letters. There are churches who will say that Paul's letters are, are weighty and forceful, that they're too controversial. There are churches that will say that Paul is out of touch with society, that culture has progressed beyond his position, and so he shouldn't be listened to. And so Paul's letters never make it into their sermon series. But the fact is, as we've seen this morning, Paul is someone who can be trusted because Paul's word is a spiritual weapon given to us by God. This this spiritual weapon, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, is more powerful than anything in this world. And it's helped many of us as we've opened up Paul's letters to know God, to understand God, to be convicted of our sin. It reminds us of who Jesus is. And Paul's weapon, it's it's taken captive of our hearts to bring every every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so the thing is, if we don't trust Paul and his word, the question is, are we really able to follow and obey Christ in a way that God would commend? Are we cutting out parts of the Bible that we find too hard, too, too weighty and too forceful? The fact is, as we've seen, we should trust Paul because his word is a spiritual weapon given to us by God. More than that, Paul is an apostle who's been given authority to build the church up. So as we read Paul's letters, we can have absolute confidence that it is God's word. We can have absolute confidence as we read the rest of the apostles' letters that it's God's message to us and we should listen to it. Okay, so that's the first application point. We should trust Paul. The second and final application point from this passage is this. We need to guard ourselves against false teaching. As we've seen in society today, there's false teaching everywhere. So how do we guard against it? How do we look for what it might be like? Well, the first thing to say is this. Don't be fooled by what's on the outside. Don't don't be sucked in by how impressive someone looks or how well commended they are by others. Their teaching might might look attractive. Perhaps it might look with the times. Maybe it preaches a message of love and inclusiveness for all. Maybe it preaches a message that your happiness is the most important thing. Or it might preach a popular message that it's okay to marry whoever you want or to live life however you want. Friend, we need to be checking what someone is saying against God's word. You need to check for yourself if this person teaching you is a true servant of God. Are they teaching you directly from the word of God or are they cherry-picking from their favourite passage? Are they they teaching you from what you want to hear 
that might make you feel comfortable? Or are they teaching you things that will really convict you of your sin? This is true of this sermon. Check, check, check what I'm saying is true. Check what I'm saying is in fact what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 10. Because friend, God's word is what we trust. We need to check what people are saying against it. It is the source of truth. Well, that pastor I told you about, that pastor I opened with, the, the one who, who looked so impressive on the outside, who, who sounded so relevant, so intelligent and interesting to listen to. Well, sadly, this person was far from impressive when it came to teaching from the Bible. Weighty topics like sin and God's judgment were hardly preached. And this person would often use smart arguments and Bible verses out of context to convince his hearers of the position. So what do you think? Is this pastor trustworthy? Is that someone you'd listen to? Well, as we've seen this morning in 2 Corinthians 10, we should listen and we need to listen to Paul and teachers who preach God's word faithfully. Even if they don't look impressive, even if they, in the world standards, they might seem weighty and forceful. And we need to be guarding ourselves against false teaching by knowing God's word for ourselves by knowing the word of truth ourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is powerful and that is clear. Thanks that your word makes us wise for salvation in Jesus. I do pray for all of us as we leave today that we look to your word as the ultimate source of truth and that we'll be guarding ourselves against false teaching by knowing your word. I do pray for all of us that each day that will grow in our maturity and love of Christ and that all things that his name may be glorified. And I pray for this in his mighty name. Amen.